Can God change your life in the next 30 minutes? I believe you're watching right now because God has something special for you. Join me for Jewish Voice and you'll discover how Bible prophecy is coming to pass before our very eyes and why you need to stand with Israel. You can play a role in God's end time plan. Find out how on Jewish Voice. Well, shalom and welcome to Jewish Voice. I'm Rabbi Jonathan Burnus. In this fallen world, it's easy to trip into struggles and temptations. Well, today my guest has written a compelling book about an addiction that you may have or a loved one and may not even be aware of it. Dr. Rona Epstein is here to talk about an addiction to food and how to break free. Rona, welcome to the program. It's so good to have you. Thank it's really you, important that you're here because this is a topic that I believe many, many people that are watching are dealing with. They have an addiction uh, or their child or, or, or uh, uh, grandchild has this addiction and they don't know what to do. Yes. And it results in a lot of condemnation, right? A lot of guilt, a lot of isolation. And today I want you to hear that whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. God Amen. wants to bring liberty into your life. Rona, talk about your background. You're a Jewish believer in Jesus. Yes. And although we're a growing uh, movement, more Jews are coming to faith today than any time, I think, since the first century. Mm -hmm. uh, we're still a rare, a rare lot. We're a remnant. Mm -hmm. How do you come to know Jesus? Uh, well, thank you, Jonathan. And yes, I agree. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I am free indeed because of Jesus. Amen. So, um, and yes, I wouldn't have been uh, open to Jesus except for that I had a food addiction and I was desperate and I came to Jesus out of pure desperation and brokenness um, because I had been so given to um, abusing food in my life. Um, so as a, as a kid, I, I abused food. I used to uh, overeat like a maniac, uh, half gallons of ice cream, entire boxes of Oreos and uh, jars of peanut butter. And I, and I, had, uh, I was full of shame and guilt and, um, and, I, and despair and yeah. trying the diets and failing and every day swearing it off and waking up and just being miserable. And, and you wanted to die. I wanted to die. Yeah. And that's how bad it got. I used to think about dying every single day. Oh my. So, um, but, so except for that I ended up uh, by the grace of God, uh, getting help through a recovery group that led me to God, which in turn led me to be open to spiritual things, which led me to be open to Jesus. Yeah, so now growing up in a Jewish home, Jesus was the other God, right? No interest at all. No interest. I'm a conservative Jew. I know Jesus had to do with nothing to do with me. I, I, I mean, we, I had lots of friends that were Catholic. There was only Catholics and Jews in my life. Well, you said, you, you told me that you met, your, your college roommate was a Christian. College roommate. Other people that were Christians that shared with you, you saw something different in them. Yes, and so, and there, and there was uh, one particular woman who was in, uh, who was sharing with me. And she actually had a very peaceful life, a very sane life. I, um, I was really 
touched by her, and I know she was praying for me. As a matter of fact, I tried to find her. So I'd like to tell her, I think she, her prayers probably brought me into the kingdom. Yeah, I have no doubt. Pray for those Jewish people in your life. But I, I want to deal with the, the guilt and the shame because God wants to remove that from your life. You may be really suffering as a mother uh, or a grandmother because of a child or grandchild that has food addiction. Well, what, what's the difference between overeating? I mean, I'm an overeater, but what, what's the difference between overeating and a food addiction? Can you help us understand that? Yes, I think actually that's a really good question. A lot of people overeat. I mean, anybody, probably everybody's overeaten in their life at some point. We, I mean, Thanksgiving, it's a national holiday. <laughs> we all engage in that behavior. Um, and I think the, uh, we live in a culture where overeating is a huge problem. I think 70% of America is overweight. And uh, the diet industry is uh, huge, actually. Yeah. If anybody really wants to make a lot of money, just sell a diet. Right. Um, so, uh, the 10-day diet. Yeah, you know? I mean, we're, this is... This drive is, through solution to the problem. Exactly. Uh, you know, nowadays everybody's getting surgeries and, uh, you know, trying all these diets to try to fix the weight problem because we're all wanting to be thin and beautiful. But um, this issue of food addiction is a different issue. And um, it's something that's um, not well known or, or well even uh, not necessarily agreed on by a lot of people. So there's a huge controversy about it. But I believe that some people are physiologically addicted to certain foods like sugar and refined carbohydrates, just like uh, alcohol for an alcoholic. Like how do I, give me some of the signs. How do I, how can, how can I tell if I have a food addiction? Well, it's not, it's not just that you're overweight necessarily. There's many no. other, so how, how, I'm sure people are watching right now and, and asking, do I have a food addiction? Well, a person who's addicted, they usually have much more than just like a weight problem. There's more like an obsession, a preoccupation. It's destroying their lives. It's uh, really, you could see that it's kind of thread into all different areas of their lives where they see impairment in their functioning, um, where they can't think straight because they're thinking about food or they are so uh, worn out from binging that they don't feel like doing their normal lives. Um, they're angry, they're irritated, they're sick. And they know they're sick, but they can't stop anyway. You know, maybe they have heart disease or diabetes or other illnesses, but they still keep on eating, all the, even while they're sitting at the doctor's office and being told that they're, um, you know, they have this horrible illness, they're planning their next binge. So una unable to make those changes. And, and unable to yeah. make the changes. Yeah. And, and there's an obsession usually, like, you know, it's more of an insanity. Uh, and it's much more like a substance abuse problem. If you talk to a person who's a food addiction, they will tell you, I am like a drug addict. I'm much more like a heroin addict than, you know, like a person who just likes to eat. Well, here, here's the challenge that I see and have experienced, okay? Mm -hmm. An alcoholic with, with help can stop, just can go cold turkey, not drink. Because right. if they know if they take another drink, they're going to fall back into it. Genetically, I think it's, it's a genetic thing. It's an, it's an illness. Drug abuse, which we're hearing about all the time now yes. in the media, 
but you don't hear about food abuse. And, and you have to, here's the thing, you have to deal with food. You can't just go cold turkey on eating. But you, you have can, to eat. But you can go, go off of the foods that are addictive. I mean, okay, we'll talk about this. We're not obsessed with broccoli and chicken and all the wonderful array of healthy foods that we have. There's a ton of foods that are not addictive. It's the junk food. It's the fast food. It's the sugar and and uh, ice cream. Those are the things. I mean, we're not we're not in tr you know we're not getting into trouble with healthy food. Let's be more specific with this because there are foods that are built into our American culture that are that are killing us. Yes. And I found as I've traveled that we may have the worst diet in the world in America. It's true. That's really the problem. And, and for believers, you know, people, when, as I work with my clients who are trying to get their lives together, the church is a huge culprit. I mean, people go to church functions and they're being faced with the worst food. Right. Gluttony is the one, that is the one thing that's we overlooked. Just yeah. Close our eyes and everybody yeah. just engages in this horrible food fest. Yeah, I want, I want people to understand there is a solution. You can gain victory. The Lord wants you to be more than a conqueror and he wants to remove the guilt and the pain and the rejection. Listen to me. There is hope. Yes. When we return, we'll see how the enemy has taken something that God created for our good, used it to numb and confuse many people, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about the solution. There is hope. We'll be right back. Jewish Voice Ministries International was founded in 1967, and its purpose has never changed. Jewish Voice exists to transform lives and see all Israel saved. Its mission is to proclaim the gospel to the Jew first, to grow the Messianic Jewish community, and to engage the church concerning Israel and the Jewish people. Through conducting humanitarian medical outreaches to some of the most impoverished Jewish communities on earth, Jewish Voice has the opportunity to share the good news that Yeshua, Jesus, is our promised Messiah. An average of 12,000 patients per clinic receive much needed medical, dental, and eye care at no cost. As a result of this ministry, thousands have also been transformed spiritually through encountering God. Jewish Voice works with elderly Holocaust survivors in Israel, bringing them vision and dental care they could not afford otherwise. We work alongside over 70 ministry partners in Israel to meet critical needs among the impoverished or crisis-stricken there, all of which paves the way for sharing the love of the Messiah. Jewish Voice also ministers through large-scale international festivals of Jewish music and dance in major cities across the globe, known to have large Jewish populations. Hundreds of thousands have attended these festivals and millions more have participated through television broadcasts. Through these international efforts, thousands have responded to the gospel, giving birth to new Messianic Jewish congregations throughout the world. Jewish Voice hosts several different annual Messianic conferences, each attended by leaders in Jewish ministry for the purpose of training, support, and encouragement. Jewish Voice engages the church through its speakers, volunteers, and a weekly syndicated television program broadcast on Christian networks worldwide. Through these and other means, JVMI inspires the church with the Jewish foundations of the Christian faith. 
Jewish voices passionate about proclaiming the gospel to the world, to the Jew first, according to Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Welcome back, Dr. Rona Epstein is with me. We're talking, I'm talking with a Jewish believer who's an expert on food addiction because she's lived this out. Mm -hmm. She's not talking from theory. It's not theoretical, it's experiential. Mm -hmm. And Rona, there is hope. Yes, there is. There is hope, there's a way to navigate through this. So a, a question that I've been thinking is, there's so much in the news about drug addiction right now. And the government is taking steps now, very definitive steps to stop this opiate abuse, we hear about alcoholism, and, but we don't hear about food abuse. Why is that? Right, well, you're right. And actually, there, statistically, there's more of a problem with obesity than there is a, in a drug problem. So it's an epidemic. It is an epidemic. And, uh, and yet we've covered up, the government's covered up uh, some of the really important uh, information that's come in about the food supply and how it's addictive and it's making us sick. But there is hope for that too. There's people who, are, there are doctors and, and people who are writing about this who are getting attention and starting to help us to learn about what is actually really going on. So we were talking about this before. If, if there's a problem with alcohol, you, you can stop drinking alcohol. I mean, there's a, you can go cold turkey, you can go told cold turkey, if there's drug abuse, but with food abuse, it's more challenging because you have to interact with food. Yes. And you said something very important that I want you to elaborate on. We still have to eat food, but we can eat the right foods, and we could go cold turkey on the wrong foods. Exactly. Talk about that because there's some killers out there, and one of them is sugar. Well, that's right. Well, for me, I am a sugar addict. So I've been abstinent. I know this sounds crazy to some people, but for me, I, it's a black and white issue. I don't have sweets in my life. I haven't for 35 years. Wow. But to me, it's like heroin. It, I've read that it's more addictive than heroin. Is it, it true? Is eight times, they say sugar is okay. eight times more Listen addictive. Listen to this, eight times more addictive. People are watching saying, can I possibly stop eating sugar? It's in just about everything. So here's the bottom line. For a person who, ha who has the problem like I do, it's easier to have none than it is to have some. Because a little keeps your appetite stimulated for it. Well, when, when a you person say if, stops, if you have, we're probably talking about close to 70% of the population here. Who's overweight? Of the Western. But I don't know that 70% well, are addicted. I'm telling you, sugar's a huge culprit here. Well, it is. But I don't know that everyone needs to be off of it. But the people who can't stop, who are obsessed, who are craving, who are insane, who are really losing their minds about it, they're better off not having it because then the cravings stop. There's no temptation, you know, it's just like an alcoholic. When they stop drinking, they stop craving. Okay, sugar, what else? Uh, well, the other things that are addictive are the high fat, high salt, crunchy, salty foods. Those tend to be the most addictive Oh, foods. you're talking about the tastiest stuff. But we have to be reprogrammed. We do. And, and yet, if a person is willing and they realize, well, especially us in the Lord, you know, we want to have peace, and, and we want God to be in the center of our lives. And when food is 
causing all these problems and it's got our attention all the time and we're feel, filled with condemnation and guilt and we're obsessed, then that's not the abundant life that God has for us. God wants us to be, have peace and to be healthy. And I, I think it's, if you understand, like getting the food out actually makes it easier to have a peaceful, sane life. If you have a little and you're an addict, you keep the, the addiction alive. So well, even a little bit, you, you, you keep feeding that appetite. That's right. So, so uh, I'm going to ask you this. Are women more prone to food addiction than men? I don't hear about men that are fighting with bulimia very often. Is it? I think men have it. They just aren't as much help seeking. Yeah. So women are more honest. I would say. I mean, I do think that women tend to have more bulimia, although men do. I mean, so you see it more food with addiction sports. in general, pretty even? I mean, I just think you t the, you, the reason why you wouldn't know is because women are more likely to get help. Right, right. Go women and get help. <laughs> and, men, and drag your husbands along too, okay? I and think your there's plenty of men who are having trouble. I'm, I think so too. Let's talk about solutions. Give us a few practical steps. Uh, we, we can't cover everything in your book, but you can give us a few practical steps and just with a couple minutes left on, on how to beat this. How, to, how do you get victory from food addiction? Because there is victory yes. and there is hope. Well, I think it's, it's threefold. It's physical, emotional, and spiritual. So the physical, I think you have to understand what is your problem with food. And everybody's maybe a little bit different. Like I said, for me, sugar. But somebody else, it might be pizza. So, you know, it's knowing what your problem is and being able to get clarity around what, getting boundaries with your food so that your food and your, you know, is in its right place in your life. I think that people who have problems with overeating should have a healthy food plan and that's something they need to work out sometimes with a professional or with a support group. So let me, are you saying for, if you have a sugar addiction, you, you, you're going to, you have to get it completely out of your life? If you have an addiction to sugar, yes. Yeah, or fatty foods, p pizza, I was feeling some, some conviction coming my way. If, if, if that's a problem, if I love pizza too much, cut it off completely? If, if it's an inordinate affection, I mean, I think if you can eat it in moderation and it doesn't cause you problems, but if it's a real problem and it's, if you're obsessing about it and going out at midnight for pizza, you want to talk to God about that. Right. So <laughs> get help right. and really face the truth. What yeah. else? Give, uh, just two more practical steps. Then I, I think it's, it's um, realizing that, you know, obviously God is our comforter. It's, it's really understanding to how to separate how we use food. Food is meant for nourishment. I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy it. Enjoy your food. But God is the one to nourish our soul and our spirit. And food is for our body. So to separate using food for a drug and learn to, to separate that out so that you're not using food as a drug. That's a huge, that's a hugely important point. Uh, almost reminds me of the scripture, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, God what belongs to God. Food has a very specific purpose in exactly. our life. Uh, very, very helpful. That may be the most important thing, what I help people, is to learn how to separate emotions, your stresses, your, the, the, you're sad, you're lonely, you're bored. Food's not for that. And people have it all tangled up. 
foods for everything. Food, be, oh, I feel sad, so I overate. I got, somebody died, I gained 20 pounds. You know, well, what, what does food have to do with your losses? You know, it, but we've made it, we've made food our go-to. Food has become a god. It's an idol. And God wants to be God. And he how has other we, ways. So practically, how do we begin to, how do we untangle that? Well, and so God provides. I mean, sometimes you need a counselor. Sometimes you need some friends. I think, I think when you have an, um, a willingness to eat right and a commitment to eating right solidly, then your food is here and your life is here. So that means, okay, I have a commitment to eat a healthy breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if I feel sad, I have to figure something else out to do. I might have to talk to somebody. I might have to cry. I might write in a journal. And it's okay to be sad. But food is not a solution. It's, yeah. not, a, it's, not, it's not an option. It's yeah. not one of the choices. Listen, I, 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 I'm convicted as I, I hear uh, Rana speak. God wants you to live a healthy, vibrant, fruitful life. Our faith is not just an insurance policy and we need to take the steps. It begins with believing he who is set free is free indeed. The Son has set you free and there is hope. There is a future. You're not watching this program by accident. Rona, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're going to take a short break but I'll be right back with uh, the Ask the Rabbi segment to answer some of the questions that you, our viewers, have sent in, so don't go away. Welcome back. Such a great discussion today with uh, Dr. Rona Epstein so important. God cares about you and there is hope. Well, it's time for our Ask the Rabbi segment and today I'm going to answer some insightful questions about physical and mental health that uh, have, have been sent in to us by you, our viewer. And the first one comes from Matt, who's writing from Orange County, California, who asks, does God really care about what we eat? Uh, Matt, I would say yes, he does care because he wants us to be in health. There is a connection uh, and I found this uh, when I've been sick, when I've been exhausted, uh, it's affected my spiritual life. It's, it's affected me emotionally. God wants us to be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. I believe that. It's something that I need to work on because I want to be fruitful. I have a destiny. You have a destiny. And I think we need to be healthy physically to fulfill that destiny. We need to be healthy spiritually. We need to be healthy emotionally, and we need to be healthy physically. They're all tied together, and God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to endure to the end, and he wants us to fulfill our uh, unique mandate, our unique uh, destiny that only we can fulfill. And I want to hear Jesus say, good and faithful servant, well done. Come and enter my rest, but I don't want to hear it too early. I want to hear it when it's my time, and I don't want to hear you weren't supposed to be here yet. So, uh, yeah, we're going to heaven, but let's not go too early. Let's fulfill our mission. The next question comes from Jennifer, writing from Las Vegas, Nevada. Shalom to everyone in Las Vegas, 
who asks, if Jesus drank wine, why do some people think it's a sin to drink alcohol? Well, I, I don't think that, uh, uh, I think alcohol is abused too much, and I think there's a danger. Uh, and, I, and I'm not an advocate for, for, for drinking uh, most alcohol. I, I, I abstain from alcohol, but I, I drink wine. I drink it on Shabbat. I don't think wine is a sin. I don't think, uh, you know, you have to be led by the Lord. Work out your own walk with fear and trembling. I have my own convictions about it, but I certainly, I was raised in a Jewish home, and I drink wine on Passover. I drink wine on Shabbat. I don't think anything, there's anything wrong with a glass of wine. Culturally, for me, for some people, it's just wrong. It's, it's, it's an, a temptation uh, to addiction, and I think, again, we have to, we have to do everything in moderation and, and, and very carefully before the Lord. Uh, one more question comes from Scott, uh, and Scott's writing from Bisbee, Arizona. Love Arizona. Uh, should we observe a kosher diet today? Well, Scott, that's a great question. I have to, to, to define what kosher means. There's two kinds of kosher. Uh, there's biblical kosher, which is um, what the scripture mandates as clean and unclean food. For example, food has to have a split hoof, has to chew the cud. Uh, so uh, pork wouldn't be biblically kosher. Shrimp wouldn't be biblically kosher. Uh, technically, if you look back in the context of that day and in the context of Yeshua's time, they weren't even considered food by the Jewish people. Now, at the same time, it's not what goes into our mouths that defile us, but what comes out of our heart. What goes into our heart, what comes out of our heart is what matters first and foremost. So I think you need to be con uh, to, to, again, just as with alcohol, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. I think it's, a, it's, it's healthy to abstain from pork and shellfish personally. Um, I actually uh, ate it growing up. We didn't keep the dietary laws. I think that it's, it, it's something that um, is connected more with a Jewish lifestyle and identity. So if you're called to reach the Jewish people, I think it's a tremendous testimony. And for Jewish believers, I don't think that that was ever rescinded. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Uh, that's a very important point. And so I'm not legalistic, and I encourage you, don't be legalistic. Be spiritual. Be spirit-led. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let the Holy Spirit direct you. There's nothing wrong if you, you're not going to be condemned if you eat pork and shellfish or any other thing that's biblically unclean. You just simply can't go into the temple, which was destroyed anyway. Uh, but I think you need to follow the Holy Spirit and do what he tells you to do. So um, now there's a second definition of kosher. Uh, first is biblical kosher, what the Bible says is clean and unclean and what's uh, suitable for eating. But then there's a rabbinic kosher, and that's where you, uh, you might have heard about that in ultra-Orthodox uh, Jewish homes where they separate the milk from the meat, separate dishes, separate utensils, separate kitchens, in fact, uh, that, that's not something that's typical of believers here in America. Uh, some believers in Israel do that because they're, they're a testimony. They're trying to testify uh, to the Orthodox Jewish community. Uh, I, I, I don't think that's incumbent upon uh, any, anyone. Uh, be led by the Holy Spirit. Now listen, if you have uh, prayer needs or you'd like more information about our ministry, you can log on to our website. It's jewishvoice.tv. We're here for you. We pray for every need that comes in. You're important to us because God loves you, and so do we. As I close the program, I want to remind you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
Uh, Psalm 122.6 exhorts us, pray for the peace of Jerusalem and tells us they shall prosper who love thee. So I speak prosperity over you and I pray that you would be a light to the Jewish person that God has put into your life. I speak blessing to you, to your household. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious unto you. May he turn his face towards you and give you his shalom, his peace. In the name of Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Jesus, the Messiah. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Bernis saying shalom and God bless you. <laughs>